Hey, Mark. Hey, Elaine. Are you going to start the podcast by telling everyone how many weeks it is until WrestleMania? No. Because that's what happens in my day-to-day life, so, you know, why shouldn't everyone else join in? It's eight weeks. <laughs> there we go. Eight weeks to WrestleMania in Los Angeles. But we potentially have a main event now, so that's exciting. Sorry, we? <laughs> I've got really confused. We? we have a what? What? Hmm? Well, I assume you'll be watching at home. Oh, of course stopping I will, up, yes. Stopping up live and, All night. Uh, yes. on the WWE Network. Messaging you the whole way through it. I won't be answering because I'll be at the WrestleMania. Thanks. <laughs> so y- you and others yes. at the event. Potentially have a main event. I don't really know what that means. Right. Explain to me. So you understand, like, there are matches that are taking place there. Yeah. And there is, like, one that is, like, sold as being, like, the biggest match. The, the end game. I mean, I wouldn't call it the end game. It's just the final <laughs> but, match. But, like, the final match. Yeah, the, the final... The, the main event. Of, right. Oh, okay. Right. Well, sometimes the main event is, like, in the middle. I've noticed this before with, like... Sometimes with, like, boxing or UFC, they have, like, the biggest event at a time where everyone's watching and they have other matches afterwards. But for wrestling, the main event is the one at the end. Do you want to know why that is? Yeah, go on. Because in boxing and UFC... They don't know how long that's going to go on for, right. so they will leave like an hour left at the end. And if it's a quick mm-hmm. one, then they'll like bring out the bring out <laughs> bring out the jobbers. Yeah, yeah uh, that's really interesting. Stuff. Whereas in wrestling, you tend to know how long it's going you, to run. Well, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I don't. Wiggle, wiggle. People do. People <laughs> okay. who run it. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. And I know Roman Reigns because you wander around the house shouting "Acknowledge me," which apparently is his. What, what would you call that? It's his phrase? Yeah, yeah, his catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. Um, you did that the other morning. Was it like really early doors? I'd got up with Blake. Yes. And um, at our ludicrously early time. That it was Saturday up. morning. That was um, it. Blake woke up at half past six. Lovely. You got up with him and I said, oh, I'm going to stop in bed. Mm. But what I did was I grabbed my tablet and watched Smackdown. And then I came down to relieve you of your duties so that you could go back to bed. And as I was walking down the stairs, I said, acknowledge me. And you looked like you were about to leave. Yeah. Um, So I know Roman Reigns because he's the tribal chief. Yes. Am I right? My tribal chief. Okay, of course, yes. And you talked the other day about becoming part of the tribe or something. You were talking about how if if you were the tribal chief... I don't think this paints me in a good light. No, no, I'm thinking, should I actually go into this? But yeah, you were very excited about... There's a group of people, aren't there? That's what what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, there's a group of people. And Roman Reigns is like the king. Head of the table. That's it. And I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And you were talking about that you were were taking the mick, really, and just sort of saying, oh, you could be part of the the gang, I don't quite remember that, but it sounds like something I'd say. Um, So... You, are you on this is where I'm leading to are you on his side then and not on the side of Cody Rhodes who I know because I know you're going to ask me this question I know already that he is the son of Dusty Rhodes that's right who used to wear like a bit of an all-in-one outfit from what I recall did he have blo- very blonde hair and he yes. wore like almost like a little baby's like a baby grow type of I'm, I feel, I'm doing like a stretching it's not like a baby you know, grow it's, but, like, but it's a... like a it's like, like a gymnast leotard, like a leotard but he yeah. was a larger man. Yeah. He was a son of a plumber. And it, it um, is that a euphemism or? No, no, no. no. It was, it was <laughs> not, because his he was a big rival of Ric Flair during the eighties. Right. And Ric Flair was like this jet jet plane oh, yeah. flying got, um, limousine riding. He has big he has big furs. Yes. And, yeah. Whereas Dusty Rhodes was sort of like <laughs> the common man, the son of a plumber. Right. Okay. And okay. then he when he moved to WWF as it was then at the end of his career. He'd been kind of like the head of WCW and the NWA. So the theory is that Vince McMahon tried to humiliate him by putting him in yellow polka dots Mm. and um, yeah. So anyway, welcome to Elaine and Mark's wrestling podcast. Yeah. So to answer your question, Mm. who am I supporting? Well, this is why I'm saying potentially we have a main event because they've got themselves a bit of a problem in that They've done such a good job in doing a different storyline that everyone kind of wants Sami Zayn to be fighting for the title at WrestleMania. Okay. And Sami Zayn is like genuinely my favourite wrestler. Mm. Um, You've said that for quite a long time, actually, haven't you? It's not just like 
Hooked when, in there. when I first got back into wrestling, like I watched a TV show and there was this guy. Everyone was like big and muscly and like rah 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 rah. I'm gonna kill you. And then Sami Zayn is this like redhead Canadian half Syrian who was on telly in like a tweed blazer with matching cap and a free Syria t-shirt underneath it. And I was like, that's not like anyone I've ever seen before. And he also just happens to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he doesn't, he's not, like he's muscular, but he's he's skinny and he's, I think, I think since like Conor McGregor's come along and other people in UFC, we kind of realised that the people who we thought were massively muscle-bound and Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque in the 80s aren't necessarily the hardest people on earth. And yeah, Sam, yeah. so Sami Zayn has been trying to join the bloodline for a, for a year. So it's been a real long-term storyline. Um, and oh, the bloodline, like I say, Roman Reigns and his family, all Samoan. And they kind of humoured him and one of, one of the Uso brothers who were like tag team really like him, but the other one hated him. And then they kind of accepted him in, and you really you were really happy for him. But then you're like, oh, are they are they just using him because he was like sacrificing himself for them and stuff like that? And then he turned on Roman Reigns at the end of oh, no. the Royal Rumble because Roman Reigns wanted him to hit Kevin Owens, who is his best friend, with a chair. And <laughs> you don't want to go hitting your best friend with a chair. Oh my god, the they nearly broke the mics, like the the crowd pop was that big. Mm-hmm. So he is fighting Roman Reigns in between. For the world title. Okay, but you're saying that the um, WWE massive would much prefer Roman Reigns to be fighting Sami Zayn rather than Cody Rhodes. Is that yes? I think this is a better built-up storyline. Mm. You know, Cody Rhodes is like it's a, it should be a big deal for him to be fighting for the title because he's he's he went off, he set up his own company, he's now come back to WWE. But I think everyone just loves Sami Zayn because he is the ultimate underdog. Um, yeah, so like it, it had kind of, yeah, it, it, it depends on what, because we've done this before, like 10 years ago, Daniel Bryan, who you, you, yeah, were, I know Daniel yeah, Bryan, yeah, kind of caught fire in about the same time. He had a beard as well. They had to change the, um, they changed the main event of WrestleMania to put him in there and gave him the title. So the people are speculating, should they do that? Um, the whole plan all year has been since Cody Rhodes came back at last WrestleMania, has been for him to headline this WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, oh, the other alternative is Roman Reigns hold, actually holds two versions of the world title. So does he defend it twice, once against Sammy, once against So if you haven't switched off yet, lovely listeners, um, just be prepared <laughs> for this to be the next eight weeks. And then also, once Mark comes back as well, because then we'll have to digest the whole of WrestleMania on the podcast. I don't think that's the case. I think once I'll be back, I'll be like, right, that's out my system. I do wonder that as well. And we did we talked about that the other day when we were sort of having Cricket a, a walk, back. didn't we? We were like, when you get really into something and actually have been doing a lot of research into people who have like special interests and both you and I have really quite intense special interests. Yeah. And often you get to a point where you've exhausted that interest and you you have to then pause it for a while. And this has happened before with wrestling for you where you've just gone, right, I've I've had that now. I've I've had that in my brain. I'm now going to move on to something else. It's already at it now because like there are shows on at, like when I'm in LA where I'm just like so the music equivalent would be if you if it was the seventies and you were in London and down like five minutes walk down the road there was David Bowie um and the Jackson Five and the Four Tops and Fleetwood Mac playing and you're like nah I'm off to I'm off to I'm off to another gig tomorrow I'm off to see the Nolans <laughs> What a joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's already, there's only so much wrestling you can go see. Yeah. And so. I suppose you're going to see the absolute pinnacle of wrestling, isn't it? Because this is the, I know you call the main, the, the event that you're going to see the main event, but to me, this is the, what would you call it? The, the sort of the, the uh, event that caps all of the, year, the, like this annual pilgrimage that people make. But. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I mean, like, there will be... WrestleMania may very well be the worst card that's put on in that thing this weekend because WrestleMania is the big gimmicky thing. Mm. You know, like, is what's better. Um, like, more people watch EastEnders than watch... Happy Valley! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoilers, what we're about to talk yeah. about. Um, 
that doesn't mean that EastEnders is, is better, better. Yeah, but it's more popular. There is a big like if Popularism. EastEnders did a mm. like a big thing, then for a soap fan that would be bigger mm-hmm. than yeah. Yeah, that's okay. how I would look at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you don't get seventy thousand going to see yeah, Happy Valley. So uh... you don't. Oh, although, um, just to let everyone know, we are recording this just before the last episode of Happy Valley is um, live on BBC, and we're going to have to keep an eye on the time because I want to make sure that I can watch it live with everyone else. Um, so I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if these were the best viewing figures that the BBC's had for for some time. Yeah, don't yeah. know whether it's it, quite going to reach. Yeah. You know, should we talk about today? Yeah, I was thinking that. I think how are we going to like segue into television? It's been a while since we've done the podcast. We've had all sorts of things going on, haven't we? So yeah, just to apologise a little bit because we've um, we normally try to get an episode out every couple of weeks, don't we? And try and cover. Yeah. And we've watched lots of different things, which we're not going to talk about on this week's pod. But we've had all sorts of illnesses we've had all sorts of stuff on with work we've I had couldn't speak for two weeks yeah mark couldn't speak for two weeks like properly you know like you were uh, you had to take yourself off into like the back of the spare bedroom and yeah. just because you couldn't breathe properly yeah. because it was just so bad um and then i've had a load of loads of stuff on at work and then also because he likes to get involved our son then decided to not sleep properly <laughs> for a while so yeah it's been really challenging this la- this last few weeks for all sorts of reasons and we we did want to do the podcast like, because obviously the podcast gives us life and it gives us relaxation as well but we it just didn't work um so yeah thank you to everyone who got in touch when i put a i put a thing out on our socials saying <laughs> we haven't gone away because you do get that sometimes with podcasts that we've talked about this before yeah. this pod fade where podcasts you really like um they just disappear or the episodes get smaller and smaller i've got a couple that are still in my podcasting app like one day i kind of think they might come back they might come back and i know full well they haven't because the people in them have moved on to other things and i can see even like the the hosts i can see they're not really talking to each other anymore but i remain in hope that it might just come back and i i didn't want that to happen to us so yeah i put something out to say like don't worry we are coming back and um, we've had all sorts of things and yeah we had some really nice messages so yeah thanks thanks everyone for making us feel wanted and i guess people will just never know what my opinions on matilda and the man called otto were but, <laughs> no i'm yeah. all specter for me because i had another lovely true crime documentary yeah about phil specter that i watched oh, but I yeah i'm not like gonna the, cover that right, oh not, no. the, not the james bond film no yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna um so yeah the 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 top and bottom of it is loads of stuff that we've seen we're not going to cover and um, we've thought glass onion we're not going to cover that unless anyone specifically wants us to come back and do sort of like an extra episode please let us know because we're more than happy to do it we now feel okay <laughs> we're relatively all right so you know if you do want us to cover those things we can do a, a one-off but we thought just for now so that we're not rehearsing old stuff we'll, we'll try and keep it up to date so we are going to cover in tv we're going to do happy valley yeah. And The Last of Us. Yeah. And then in film, we're going to do... Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. I want to call it Cabin in the Woods <laughs> the whole time. Knock yeah. at the Cabin and Plane. Yes. So hopefully brief and sparky, but up to date. Sarah Lancashire's walking down the path. Come on, it's time <laughs> I know, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. TV, I don't TV. Know what happens. <laughs> watching television, watching television. Right, so... So for all my jokes, I don't know anything about Happy Valley. You don't know anything about Happy Valley, do you? Well, what do you know? Let's let's start off with what you do know. So I know it's set in West Yorkshire. Yeah, lovely. Is it like Huddersfield where... I haven't got a clue because I don't really know West Yorkshire very well. I used to live in Huddersfield. I've I saw... Some, when, there, so. when I was getting ready for the podcast and reminding myself of what people were describing Happy Valley as, um, I think I saw something called West Cold or Calder Valley. Oh, Do you yeah. know that? So, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense to yeah. you? So yeah. That's, um, I mean, it looks that's, beautiful. That's kind of around, yeah, it's kind of around um, Huddersfield. When River you were Calder. on the peaks. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so I used you know to live in there. The, yeah, mm. I used to live in the Calder Valley. Mm. Um, I know that it's set in a valley. I know that the other part of the name is somewhat of a lie, as much as Naked Lunch or... Um, <laughs> Oh, were you, were you upset by that? Yeah, yeah, missed out, definitely, yeah. Two of my favourite things didn't appear on screen. Um, but yeah, I've, I first, you first told me about this a couple of years ago and said, oh, season three's coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, when's it coming? And I was like, oh, well, if it's coming, then I'll probably wait until it's been on to watch it. And then two years passed of pandemic and I 
didn't and uh, I've just kind of put off going into it mm. but so tell me about it yeah so um as you say Sarah Lancashire um is Catherine Kaywood who is a police officer she's a grandma she's got a young um well this is, this is in season one he's a bit grown up now um she's got a, a young grandson her daughter has taken her own life she has a um, a, a son of, of her own that um, she has some relationship issues with. And when we meet her in season one, she is with her sister who um, has drug and alcohol issues, um, or at least has had, is, is recovering at that point. And her marriage has um, had had difficulties, if not, I think she's split up um, with the um, with her husband at that, that point in time. You can see I'm struggling to try and remember where we were in season one because I'm so into season three at the, at the moment. And actually it really shows you the complexity of the show and the complexity of the characters because it is really hard for me to kind of have a have, have this linear response and give you like, well, these are the facts these are, because things move so, so quickly in, in this show. And ideas that you think you have about the characters very swiftly get taken away and and moved and that is the complexity of Sally Wainwright's writing and the realism of her writing as well and you're absolutely right to say this idea of happy valley is and I you know it's a play play on um what actually is going on there because Kaywood is dealing as a police officer with you know, the, the the petty criminals but also mm. um people who are involved in in some real violence and at the center of all of this is her um her grandson's biological father who is the now you know he he will be known as one of the greatest villains i think tommy lee royce and tommy lee royce is played by james norton who obviously is incredibly good looking but is so menacing in in this storyline story and in this in this program and uh, i think it's really made a name for james norton and there are various scenes of him sort of dressed up and maybe with his head looking more like james norton would in yes. real life and part of me was thinking god he would make a good bond well, you know like, there's been like a lot third, of that third favorite isn't he <laughs> yeah now? yeah but it's terrible because he is so menacing he does some awful i mean truly truly devastatingly awful things he is a he's an awful awful piece of work but the the beauty of this show is that you watch those characters and you you you're with them all the way through and i think that's why so many people have got really into this show in season three but you can follow everything all the way through from um season one you can see the relationship turns you could see people growing up you could see the young lad the grandson growing mm. up before your very eyes it's the same actor that's been used all, all the way through and you have you know certain time jumps but it's it's just so so well realized um there are i have to i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of go into the negative a little bit because I think there's been some of the 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 reviewing around Happy Valley has essentially placed it on a pedestal yeah to be the best thing that has ever been on television now I'm not saying that it's it's not that I would say you know I would put it absolutely right up in the sky but there are certain plot points that I have no interest in that I think take away from some of the power of um the other storylines and sometimes where it becomes a little bit more fanciful but I I do wonder whether this is a show that actually when we sort of pick it apart is more heightened where it, it has that realism but there's also that sense of we're not quite in the world as we know it and it's sort of sometimes battles you know between that domestic kitchen sink drama and things that just go a little bit beyond where you can quite believe they're going to be. Mm. Um so I'm often conflicted with it because of because of those elements. That said, I have sat um you know 9 o'clock on a Sunday you know stuck to the sofa watching the episode hand hand over my mouth at times um heart racing um really really getting into it and i i i've seen already seen some early reviews and they're they're saying that the landing you know absolutely 
you know is is there for this last episode so i'm just looking forward to going on on the ride and sarah lancashire i mean it's really actually it's really (laughs) part of me just feels like sarah lancashire gets all the plaudits and she absolutely should do but the the surrounding characters con o'neill siobhan finner and you know the other other people who were um who were there with her and have been all the way through the different series the the there isn't a weak link in in this show and while she is the center i think it really gives the you know it really support but you know you've got to have that support around your central performance otherwise it just becomes that central performance and everything else is just not quite there like i say there isn't a weak link they're all there together it is an ensemble piece with her at her at the center i would really recommend that you try and avoid as much as about this as possible because i think this is going to absolutely be a denouement well that's why Um, i've not watched it so far because mm -hmm. it's so easy like once you start watching it then you pick up references of things that happen in later on but i think it really really pays off to go back to because there are things i cannot remember about season one season two the others that were talking about it online and the podcasts that i listened to be like oh what about this what about that it really really the, the the discourse around this at the moment is really reminding me of line of duty um I think it's better than than Line of Duty in many ways, especially the last series of Line of Duty, which I think had, had some major problems. Um, I don't think it is that show, but it, it's really reminding me that the fact everyone's really getting into it and that nine o'clock on a Sunday, you know, it, it really gives me those vibes again. And that's quite exciting to, to have that shared experience. I've never forgiven Sarah Lancashire for what she did to Kelly Watts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's such a phenomenal actress. She's so, I mean, she's so, and the the dialogue in this show is so difficult. I was listening to someone who um, directs the Happy Valley and they were saying how when they first get the scripts, they're just like, how are we going to do this? How, you know, it's so sharp. It's so quick. It's so the way that people speak to each other, especially the, there are certain scenes where people are talking over each other or, or there's two. You'll enjoy that. Yeah, I know. Um, there, there are two too um it's so difficult to explain but essentially you'd be saying something about putting the bins out and i'm still talking about finishing something off about blake's educational stuff you know like but and yet we're not talking yeah i'm looking forward to getting (laughs) but we're not talking over each other we're just saying the way and you're saying oh well the bin goes out on tuesday i'll go and yes and when we get that letter you know it's that sort of we're both on different wavelengths, but we're talking to each other, and we and then you pick up it. I've put the bin out. You know, it's so northern <laughs> and so recognisable. Um, I I can't um go on about it enough. But yeah, because well, we're doing two <laughs> minutes on this. We're doing this, two then, minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's maybe be quiet. Right, what else are we doing in Kelly? Are we doing the Last of Us? On? The Last of Us. Mm. So the latest big franchise to come on HBO and Sky Atlantic in the UK. Um, this is an adaptation of a PlayStation Is it PlayStation? Game. Yeah, it's a PlayStation game. That's why I've not really? played it. Yeah. I didn't think it was a PlayStation. What do you think it was? I, d- I don't know. I'm now thinking, what what was it? What, what, what else would it be? I, just, I kind of associate PlayStations with, like, kids' games, but... Obviously, no. I'm just wrong. Yeah. I've got an Xbox, so I can't yeah, play it, which yeah, is yeah. really annoying. Because yeah. really, this is the game that came out, I think in 2016, the mm-hmm. first uh, game came out. And everyone was saying this has a um, a plot to rival any major, um, any major motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the big adaptation. You have been massively into this. I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm ahead of you. And I can tell you exactly why. Is it The Walking Dead? No. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was unwell. I started mm. watching it, and the first part of the first series. This is a post-apocalyptic. Mm. There is some kind of event which mm. spreads around. No, spreads it's to it's a pandemic, yeah, essentially. Pandemic, yeah. And so the first part of the first episode, we see people as this news is breaking. And this is one of this was I was like this is amazing. It reminded me of Cloverfield, like the mm, fact that yeah. the news was being revealed to them, yeah. and there is a big sort of 
I don't know if it's necessarily one shot, but we're following them in the in, in real the, time point of view in yeah, a car. Yes, very game footage. Yeah. yeah, and it was absolutely like I was on the edge of my seat, and then it comes twenty years later, mm-hmm. and we are in hidden societies and like big refuges, mm-hmm. and we see like oh, there's some sneaky dealings going on, and I tried to watch this three times, mm-hmm. and each time fell asleep. Okay, now I was unwell, so that's mm-hmm. probably why. But I've really, really searched as to why this isn't working for me. And I think it's just because I am so fucking bored of underground societies in a post-apocalyptic world having sat through 11 seasons Mm. of The Walking Dead and watching them go absolutely nowhere. That, like, it's just almost like um, I just switch off whenever I see them now. Mm. It's like Pavlov's dog, dog bells ringing somewhere, mm. and I'm drooling mm. and drooling in my sleep in this case. I've finished the first episode, okay. and obviously, it, 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 there are exciting events, and I am probably going to watch the second episode while you're watching Happy Valley. <laughs> I think you need, you need to do that if you get to the first episode and you're thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure. Um, I've actually, um, listen to a number of other podcasts around this funnily enough and actually the custard tv um podcast did a, a really really good review of it and um some of the people on the custard were saying oh we we didn't quite feel you know we weren't quite feeling it mm. and um i can't remember who it was unfortunately but some someone on the podcast said look you know if you're feeling that way get to episode two yeah and it was a shame, I think they said, it was a shame that the first episode was so long that you probably wouldn't think of going to the second episode to give yeah. that... Because actually, if you put the first and the second together, that would have... That might have... I think once you get to the second episode, so much more is revealed. Mm. It doesn't become... I know what you're feeling it's going to be. I think more Let- of the world is revealed to you. It's not just going to be this... Oh well, you know we're going to be in a house for you know. One Rick of the first Grimes seasons. Going to come in one of and... the first. One of the first episodes. Uh, one of the first scenes is someone getting tortured mm-hmm. in like a room, and in my mind, I've, I mean, I've seen this about three times now. Mm-hmm. It's a room that's kind of like a basement, and the lights, the light, like the, the windows are like up at yeah, the yeah, yeah, that's right. up at like ceiling level yeah. and things like that. Literally every mm. fucking episode of The Walking Dead, there would be something similar to that. The, there um, isn't. Yeah. It, you you get much more of a sense of the work. It propels itself much more, and you will have heard, and people, you know, listening will also have heard because this has been major in sort of telly news at the minute. You will have heard about episode three, which is a phenomenal piece of television. And even if I think you don't go any further than episode three, even if you just get to episode three and you think, actually, this isn't for me, I think you should watch episode three as a piece of beautiful television with themes that I I just haven't seen before or at least haven't seen done well before with authenticity, with pure emotion and... um, plot points that just absolutely took my breath away because I wasn't expecting things to go go that way. I would, you know, even... I think people should actually just watch episode three, you know, even if they don't care about the show. Watch episode three just to have that in your life. So, yeah, I really hope you get there, even just to see it, so that you can then become part of this conversation. I will conversation. do, I'm absolutely interested in it. I'm mm. just, yeah, just like I said, not been well. Yeah. And yeah, there is that thing of like that for, like you say, an hour and a half pilot. Mm-hmm. Where you're saying, like I'm like an hour and a half's like a good movie length, but yeah. you're like you like that's a high entry fee for me. Well, it was going to be, it was going to end at that for you know halfway through, at the yes. at the sort of the the, the past, it yes. was, and then it the second episode was going to start in the present day. But somebody came to the producers and so said, um, it's just too... No one's going to come back. Whereas I, I didn't I would feel have that. Yeah, 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 I would yeah. have thought, oh, that's interesting mm. to... Because of the timescales as yeah. well that you've got to invest in it. Shall we talk about some films? Let's do some films. Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see so last weekend, I decided I was going to go to the cinema and catch up on some of the Oscar films that I've not seen. 
Um, so there were options where like go see Tar, which I've still not seen. Mm, yeah. uh, go see Babylon. Yes. Which I cannot think of about without thinking of the Ali G song. <laughs> you turn me on with your big Babylons. <laughs> different times, weren't there? Totally different times. Um, this is the Fableman, obviously mm. Spielberg. And in the end, I thought, fuck it, I'm off to see Plane. Of course you are. <laughs> because that's what I, that was the sort of mood I was in. Now, Plane has Gerard Butler in. And there's a big poster on the side of buses with Gerard Butler and the word Plane. And that's all I know about this film. That oh, really? Is it. Yeah, genuinely. I know nothing. I'm, I'm presuming there's an aeroplane in it somewhere. But I mean, who that'd knows? Be, that'd be weird if there weren't, wouldn't Yeah, there? yeah. Is it Gerard... It's not Naked Lunch. <laughs> I'm sad. Um, is it Gerard Butler being action hero, saving people? Is it Air Force One? Is it that sort of sort of? Is it a '90s actioner? It makes me feel of a '90s actioner. So if I tell you that <laughs> Gerard Butler um, is a pilot, but excellent. He needs to get home to his daughter, who he's not seen for a little while, uh, to spend New Year's Eve with her. Oh my god! <laughs> right. Why is this reminding me of Die Hard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is flying his plane from Singapore to... I can't even remember where. Another place. Doesn't matter where, yeah, does yeah, it? Yeah, no. Um, and then he just... And then, yeah, needs to just make this, this little run. Yeah. And then he can get on with his life. Meet his, <laughs> meet his daughter in Hawaii for New Year because, obviously, he's the other side of the international dateline. So, yeah. You don't understand. No, I don't understand. No, I'm just shrugging my shoulders because my head doesn't comprehend. Two things happen as part of like the the checks before the air traffic control or like the 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 routing guy who I like the the plane. The film indicates is part of the um is part of the airline. Says there's this big storm coming here. But by the time you're there, like you, you, it'll be gone. Just go through it. He's like, but look, we go there. Just avoid it automatic. Like, nah, that's gonna be like thirteen thousand dollars in fuel bills. That extra. Mm-hmm. And um, the FBI come on and say we are or CIA, whatever. Mm-hmm. Come and say, oh, we've got a prisoner that's doing a prisoner transfer. Oh it's Connor. It's Mike Coulter. Who's Mike Coulter? Luke Cage. Oh, right, okay, right, yeah, okay. Yeah? Yeah. Can you spot what happens? Yes. I bet you can't, actually. Oh, okay. So I'm presuming, obviously, we, you don't want to go into spoilers, but I'm presuming I mean, the this is all is, from the trailer. The yeah. weather is bad. Weather's bad. And Mike is bad. Oh, well, Oh, no. is he? No, oh, right. okay. Weather's bad. They need to make an emergency landing. And they land on an island which is run by, by, like, Baddies, essentially. <laughs> they land on Baddy Island, which is unable to be visited by any government oh or anything like that. Right. Uh, yeah, who want to take all their money and, mm-hmm. and send and them for ransom. Aeroplane. And yeah, so yeah. Um, and the line from the the line from the thing is, I don't care what you've done. We need to get, we, I need to get my, my passengers home. God. Or something along those lines. Yeah, okay, I get the point. This is so much fun. I don't even care. I don't even care if anyone judges me for this. This is so much fun. It's it's done very very well. You have you've got you've got Gerard Butler who's playing a character called Brody Torrance. I mean, oh my that god, that's you. amazing. Yeah, Brody Torrance. So you've got um Brody from Jaws and Torrance. I'm thinking like um uh, The Shining. I'd never made that. Connection, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, someone's been like, mm, film names. Yeah. Uh, Mike Coulter is Louis Gaspar. Of course, he is. You've then got as a as a kind of parallel to all these activities. Mm-hmm. You've also got like back in New York or LA or wherever this airline's <laughs> based. You've got like the the executives in this control room with a Winston the Wolf type figure that comes oh, in. Oh, really? And comes in like like telling people, right? I need mm, this, person, this person, this person, this person. Yeah. You're not gonna like it. Send the solicitors out the room because yeah. I'm getting like I'm, I'm getting the mercenaries Amazing. to go in and help them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the weird thing is the things that 
I really like about this. Obviously, the, it's fun. Mm. It's fun it watching people it shoot people. <laughs> it's fun watching people. There's some. There's a really. I don't think it's fun watching people shoot people. Are you? But can we qualify that and say in the context, context of yes. of this film and entertainment? Yeah, it's fun watching Jared Butler. There is a really interesting, like almost like real time fight scene where like he's he's doing hand to hand combat with this guy, and it's it's not shot like a like a like a typical western fight would be it mm. almost feels like you're watching actually two people have a little rock about mm. it but then you've also got these guys like these guys trying to work out how to get these people home and it's complete like if conair obviously has a big scene where there's people stood around but they seem to know what's going on in that whereas these people have no idea where these people are okay. they've been lost lost signals about where, where it is so it could be anywhere in this mm. and how, what do you do how do you prep people yeah even the beginning of the film, like you see, like them prepping for takeoff, and it's it's kind of weird. Like, just nice to see like what a pilot actually does. I don't know if this is actually what pilots do when they do, but the little processes that they go through and the meticulous processes, and God, will that pay off later on? Mm-hmm. Like when they're when they're making sure that the plane's absolutely perfect, yeah. and yeah, this is a lot of fun. Like it's a Friday night, mm. have a couple of beers, yeah. Get a pizza yeah. and just enjoy like the cheesy dialogue. See bad guys get shot. Um, see good guys also get shot, but uh, somehow manage to get through it. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And yeah, who's um, the director? Do you know? So it's Jean Francois Richer. Who? Oh, so he did. He's done a lot of. Well, you may be able to tell he's a French uh, director. He did the the De Vincent Cassel films, Marine. Okay. Uh, which were out. I've I've had them on my list uh-huh. to watch a long time ago. Oh, Vincent Cassel. But yeah, this this appears to be one of his like first English language films, mm-hmm. which I've not actually seen. Oh, he's done a Mel Gibson film, but okay. yeah, we'll, we'll forgive we'll, him for we'll that. Not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't talk about Gibson. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of fun, and you could do far worse. And sp- yeah, that sounds really this. really fun because I I love those. I love um, Air Force One. I love. Uh, the Fugitive, and I'm not saying it's on that level of, of, of just naming Harrison Ford films out. Yes. But you know, I love those 90s Patrick actioners. Games. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. What lies beneath? Things, no, I don't like what lies beneath. We all know why. We no, we don't. We don't deal with that. Anything <laughs> spectral. Um, but yeah, I love that. Sort of, and this is what this sounds like. Am I along the right lines of sort oh, of like yeah. 90s actioner? Yeah, oh, it's cool. a it's an 90s actioner. Yeah, lovely. <sighs> Something very different then. Yes. So we have both been to see separately. Yeah. Obviously. Knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. And I, yeah, as I said earlier, I so want to call this cabin at the woods because I think the book on which Knock at the Cabin was based is something like The Cabin at the End of the World or The Cabin in the Woods at the That's End right. of the World or something. It's not Cabin in the Woods. It's not a Cabin in the Woods. I just want to put in the woods, but essentially. Into the woods. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, essentially it is a cabin in the woods is, is the main setting. It's not yeah. That's not giving anything away. And this is an M. Night Shyamalan film, his his latest. Because he, I think people don't realise that he's... I think there's this idea with Shyamalan that he sort of did Six Sense and Signs of the Village and then he sort of went away. Um, Lady in the Water, never forget. Um, but he's been quite prolific. He did Old, he did Glass, he did... That other one that name escapes me, the one where um, people go and visit their grandparents. I can't remember what that one was called. Oh, the visit. I've That's not it. Seen, I've not That's seen it. The visit. visit. Makes sense. So he's been quite prolific um, recently. He has been, uh, you know, churning them out. So I think what happened was he did he did the happening. Mm. Bad film. Mm. He did The Last Airbender. Oh, yes, of course. Appalling film. Mm. He did After Earth, which I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't seen that either. But I have you no know which one that desire. Is, yeah, you? the Will Smith one. Yeah. I have no desire to see that. Um, and then had largely like a bit of a renaissance with The Visit. Kind of, mm. I think it was very low budget. Very low budget, yeah. Um, Small cast. I think he was able to sort of almost film it, uh, fund it himself. Mm. Then Split, which. That's it, yes, yeah, Split. Was mm-hmm. obviously. Spoilers for Split, but a backdoor pilot mm-hmm. um, for a, a sequel to a different film that he's made. Uh, then Old, which I covered on this podcast. You did, I was yeah. not a fan of. Mm. And 
I'm not going to mention the V word during this review. Okay. <laughs> because I think that's been done to death. Yeah, we have spoken about the village quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, uh, let, let's go to the start. Let's go yeah, to the plot. Yeah. So this is Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge, a married couple taking their daughter to a cabin, cabin in the woods. Cabin in the woods. It's an air, like a, a very posh Airbnb. Yes. It's very posh. Like imagine wall to wall. Um, oak panelled libraries. It's, I mean, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The girl is playing outside, mm. and Dave Batista walks up to her, Very tries exciting. to make friends with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Says him and his three friends are coming to their cabin, and they have to make a decision which will affect the entire world. Mm-hmm. And I think probably leave the plot there, yeah, because that's as far as the. That's as far as the trailer goes, and that's as much as I knew going into yeah, it. I don't I know if you knew any more. No, that, or... that's all That's all I knew. I knew Dave Batista was in it. I knew some of who his friends might be, um, and I knew that it was going to be very much centred on this family yes. in in this cabin and the, um, the the things that these people would be saying to them and the the effect that might have on them. Yeah. Um, and it looked to me like something that was quite... Um, uh, like a thriller, it looked. I mean, the trailer itself, the the use of um, music and sound was really quite affecting and quite terrifying. And yeah, it didn't look good. You know, like it didn't look good for the family. It really gave me the vibes of um, those sorts of um, home invasion sort of films. Yeah. Like that's what the trailer was was giving me. So, actually, went into this feeling quite worried because I had seen a review that said it was harrowing and so I asked you (laughs) just let everyone know our process you came home and I said to you right you have to let me know if this is harrowing in the way that I would understand harrowing and we had a really interesting conversation actually (laughs) it's interesting but I think it was really interesting conversation about what one person's version of harrowing might be very different to someone else. So for me, um, children in peril or violence inflicted against children makes me very, very uncomfortable. And I try and avoid that as much as possible. Um, whereas for someone else, harrowing might be really blood, gore, violence, um, maybe um, suicide, you know, th- those sorts of things could be real triggers for yes. for people um and certainly for me things around birth i'm i'm really really conscious of so when someone says harrowing that sort of makes me go oh right what kind of harrowing are we are we dealing with here um and you very kindly came back and without telling me anything about the film i think just knowing me as a person you said oh i think you'll be able to cope with whatever this film throw, throws at you so that was really useful to know actually Good. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going with that. But I, I just some. I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? What one person would find to be really hardcore horror thriller. Yeah. Another person can withstand. And I suppose actually, where I am going with this is, I did not feel scared in this film. I did not feel the horror and the no. the and the harrowing that other reviews have you know that word that they've used i did not feel it was harrowing in many senses actually did you feel that you were sort of on the edge of your seat or feeling thrilled or horrified or i, I feel i can't go mm. really into really this without hard, going into spoilers it? because mm. i want to say it keep as little as possible yeah i don't think that there are this film has definite antagonists and protagonists and at no real point did I feel that the protagonists were in danger. Mm-hmm. So that's where, yeah, apart from once you understand the format of the film, I never really felt the protagonists were going to be in danger, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it makes uh, sense. Or yeah. direct yeah. danger. Never felt there was going to be sort of a jump scare of someone coming out. Mm. There is, like, very tense moments. Oh in yeah, this film. absolutely. And um, and you're not a quite, scene in the bathroom. Yeah, yes. Um, where and you're not quite sure what's going to be round the corner. Mm-hmm. It, and also things that are happening in front of you as well, where you um are 
seeing the terror in people's eyes. Yes. I would say that you were seeing people react in a way that you think, whoa, like mm. this acting was quite effective actually. And yeah. there's someone in particular who um, has to play very, very scared at some point. I thought, wow, like that's, you really are. Like I can really feel you're absolutely terrified. Um, and Shyamalan's got this interesting direct vision here where particularly in this film where he's doing lots of close-ups he's doing lots of in your face close-ups yeah. or behind your shoulder you know but so much in the face so much close-up mm. that made this film feel very claustrophobic to me and I really felt myself in the cabin and felt myself thinking about what I would do in this situation, which of course that's what it's and wanting think, you to do, isn't think, it? Yeah, this is this absolutely is in like the same, very different film, but it kind of reminded me in a little way of uh, *Indecent Proposal*, mm-hmm. whereby it, the film it's a invi- very different film. Yes, the film, but the film does invite you to like, if you were in this if situation, were, yeah. what would you do? And We've I, had that discussion before. <laughs> I came into like a real like I came into a real solid like I know exactly what I'm doing this yeah, situation yeah, yeah, yeah. and blah blah, yeah. blah 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 but yeah um so what do you think of the film I, th- I I really thought it was very good um I really enjoyed it as a almost like a twilight what did it is it what a twilight I've been trying on all the way home in the car I've been thinking why can't I think what this phrase is but you know like tales of the something or other or what what is it? Do you know what it is? You're looking at me like with a smug face, like you know the answer and you don't. Twilight Zone. That's it. That's it. Oh, phew. I've th- I was like Twilight Valley. <laughs> don't know. That's Happy Valley. Um, yeah. It it feels like a Twilight Zone episode, like a slightly extended Twilight Zone episode yeah. because it's so contained. It's got this one ideal, you know, this one idea in the middle mm. of it. It's asking a moral question. And I, I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed playing with that idea of what would I do? Who who would I be most like in my viewpoint? Um, do I agree with the choices that characters are making? Do I, um, am I believing what is happening on the screen? Um, I, I, I wasn't a fan of the ending, but I, I do think, I feel like I'm a bit of a cliche because I do think with these type of films, and it's not just M. Night Shyamalan's, endings that you know have obviously got lots and lots of press in the past i just i wanted something i I can't say anything about it it just it didn't quite work for me if i say what i wanted it gives away the ending um i wanted something different and actually i've now subsequently gone and read um the plot line of the book because this this takes a very very different turn to the book on which it is based okay um and I, I, you know, there have been questions about whether if they'd stuck with the plot line of the book, whether that would have perhaps been more satisfactory. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, it was a four out of five for me because I just enjoyed the experience. The cinema was, oh, I'm deathly quiet. And to begin with, I had quite a um, boisterous cinema goers, you know, neighbours near me people were on their phones um mm. people were chatting people were chatting through the trailers like actually properly talking through the trailers yeah. and i did think oh this is gonna be it's a, i was actually thinking oh it's a good job i'm not really that bothered about this because if this was for example the new indiana jones which i've like quite emotionally attached to i, I really want to go and see that film with other people who want to see it and enjoy it and have that experience whereas with this if people were chatting through it, I wouldn't be quite so bothered. But actually, as soon as it started, because it starts very, very quickly, it, we go straight into the plot. You know, there's, there's yeah. hardly any build-up. People were silent. Yeah, you have way outside, and you mm-hmm. look. She looks up, and yeah, Big Dave. Big is Dave's there. there. <laughs> yeah, and Dave Batista. I mean, we have to talk about him. I think he's wonderful. And I do think that he's been slightly underserved by some of the films that he's been in, not Guardians of the Galaxy, where I think his his character, and I don't know whether that this is a, a conscious choice, but he just he seems to be so new, neurodiverse. So he 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 the he, he gives off the impression of someone who with um um with autism yeah. um in particular, and 
that that character, I, I just love that. I love that character so much. And he makes total sense to me, <laughs> like in what he says and the way that he sees the world. And so he has dialogue there, but it tends to be quite stilted. Then he was in things like Blade Runner 2049, and he said very little in, in that. Um, some of the other things that I've seen him in, he sort of like appears and looks very big and menacing, but he doesn't have that dialogue. Well, the same Inspector, isn't there? Mm. Uh, was it Spectre? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I think it was yeah. Spectre. He was just the muscle, really, yes. and it's a bit blonde, uh, Bond cliched. Here, you really get to see the acting come through. You know, there is so much in his performance. And you see one thing, you see the man and the physical. And then what comes out of his mouth and the way that he moves and the way that he presents himself is so different. And you're constantly thinking, who is this? But, you know, what is the real per- Who is the real person? What am I seeing here? I thought he was wonderful. I mean, there's incredible vulnerability from him. Um, all the way through this, and I think probably that coming through his Guardians Galaxy role mm-hmm. as well. Um, he's, yeah. I mean, I, look. I think this film. Thanks for asking. Um, I think this film is probably M Night Shyamalan's best film since Unbreakable. Um, possibly even his best in Sixth Sense. I share your problems with the ending. I suspect I share your specific problems mm-hmm. with the ending. Um, and. I I would quite like us to do a little five minute spoiler thing just to sort of yeah. talk about it because we're going to talk about it like once it's yeah. once it's yeah, finished yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it yeah. on there. But yeah, um, I think he's brilliant. I think um, I think the whole cast is really and obviously there's not many people in. There's yeah, N- like... Nikki Amuka Bird who is British. Um, I don't know if you know that she's British because she has a brilliant accent in this. Um, there is. Um, I don't know her. Ru- oh, she's been in lots of like British crime oh, dramas. I do know her. Um, there's Rupert Grint, who clearly, yes. you know, people will know from Harry Potter, but we kind of got to move away from that. I know he's in Shyamalan's um, Servant, which is on Apple. Oh, that makes um, sense. And because that is a horror that I think involves kids, I've kept away from that. Mm. Um, and then there's another there's another girl. I think is her name Abby Quinn, possibly or Amy Quinn. Um, she's Abby Quinn. Yeah, she. Um, I thought she she was like there's not one person and I I think those performances of Groff and, and Aldridge are just beautiful. There is a beautiful scene sort of in a flashback later on, yes. um, which this is not giving anything away. It's just it's just a flashback and and it, it there's a, there's a piece of dialogue about parenting and I cried um, because it was so resonant to me and and to you and that idea of being a good parent. Um, and I, I've really found myself getting very emotional about about it. Um, and uh, there is a, obviously a through line through the film, which I, I think is, perhaps could have been drawn out a bit more. I don't know. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. Um, around the fact that they are um, they are gay men, they are married, and there's this this idea that there's always been that sense of threat and that sense of danger because they cannot be their authentic selves in certain places because someone is going to come along and, and, and cause trouble for them. Which I understand um, isn't in the original Source novel. Oh, okay, that's um, interesting. The Source novel played it was totally as a, it just so happens that they are. Okay. Whereas this definitely, it plays into parts of the themes mm, around mm-hmm. the film. Which, yeah. You know, like, look, it's, I, I, I think the I think it works well either way. Yep. Um, it, it certainly added an element to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to go and read the book. I can't mm. imagine it's a long... It seems no, I can't like either, a short yeah. Story. yeah well, it's, it's a novel, because I yeah. looked up that. I thought, oh, is it a short story? But they do say it's a novel. Mm. But there's there's a lot more plot to it than yeah. what we yeah. see in this film. Mm. Shall we talk spoilers? Should, should we do some... Right. Um, shall if, I... if people are leaving us here... Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Honeymoon Pod. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify, we'd really appreciate it. Spoilers from here on in. Here is your spoiler alert. So. Should we just do the ending? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not do an hour-long Spoiler special. I don't, need to, I don't think I need to do an hour long spoiler special. Um, well, I've only got fifteen minutes until Happy Valley, so yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, right. <laughs> For me, the obvious themes around this are the sort of people who 
stand on the side of the road mm. uh, on our way home on a Friday mm, night mm-hmm. and wave placards Same about chemtrails. chemtrails. Mm. And because that is a regular occurrence for yeah, us. Yeah, oh, like, reg- There regular. is a group of people in Newcastle who mm-hmm. will take to the streets and will um, stand, stand to the, the side yeah. of the main commuter um, exit to the west... Uh, sorry, to, to the east end of the city mm-hmm. and the east end suburbs. Yeah, very, very busy. Will, put things about covid being a hurt and will stand right by your car with their yeah. yellow placard and will and, and they've moved away they were majorly talking about covid and va- vaccinations and now they have moved on to things like the, generally the media and mm. um names of people that i don't know yes. and also chemtrails yeah and, people want yeah. to track so lots of conspiracy theory and i'm kind of um, torn between wanting to google who these people are like who these people who are wanting to track me are and also not wanting to pay them the time yeah 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 um, um, and they can be I, I think it's quite scary at times actually when you when you're in a car with a child and people are st- i know they just stood with their placards but i sometimes find it quite you know um yeah, so there is that sense. I mean, of, are we going to get political? Because I'm no, no, willing no. to say that, like, they, are, I think they are. I, I'm willing to say that I think they are sad people who have found other people online and are grabbing on to. Well, there is this sense of community, isn't it? Which is what the film plays into this idea of they've met met each other on a message board. Yes, and whilst they've equally they've all been having these visions, or have they? And then they've sort of said on this message board, "Oh, well, I've done this, and I've done that." It really. The the thing that I really enjoyed about the film was the way that it peppered these these ideas of oh actually they just might be completely you know um, very unwell and part of that sort of gang yeah and there is and even when they are performing the self sacrifices mm. like it's like yeah um, there was an earthquake but that was four hours mm-hmm. ago so how is that anything to do with this mm-hmm. and they keep looking at their watches all the time and that yeah. isn't really explained later on and they're showing things that it's it, it, especially the BBC thing about um, the pandemic in Edinburgh apparently or, yeah. in, or somewhere in Scotland um, it was a pre-recorded show yeah um, which A doesn't happen <laughs> on, the, on video, the BBC news it doesn't yeah. seem to make any sense to me. but I was thinking well they've cut the phone lines they've got the, they've got things in and obviously this is where the film is wanting you to see someone's piping that in aren't they yeah and yeah show me it going on outside is what you you kind of want to go all right i'm going to drive down the road and mm. see these things or these are natural disasters these are things that happened all the time very sadly we have tsunamis and people die yeah. very sadly there are lightning strikes very sa- and that's where the the bit about the pandemic the sort of the flu thing for the children i think that was meant to be very emotional but to be honest, i don't know whether i'm just massively traumatized but given covid but also we've had a number of things in in particularly in our country where um children have been having something called like strep a for example yeah. and there has been this 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 it has gone through um many many children and <laughs> our own um where we've been really really worried about mm. the effect like or a flu or um there's other things like bronchitis and so i don't know whether i'm just so used to seeing children unwell in hospital that actually that didn't i didn't think oh god all the children are dying and they've all got this flu because I see that in real life, and I, I don't know whether he's invited whether that is meant. What I'm trying to say is, when you see people, people's minds perhaps changing to go, oh wow, it is real. I at no point thought, oh wow, it's real, because I see that day to day. And I, which probably is a trauma response, but so there we go. I'm kind of with you on this. If we're doing the like, what would you do in this case? Hmm. I would absolutely in no, no way, way be sacrificing myself. <laughs> I would be more than happy. I'll be happy to be wrong. If someone yeah. wants to put this on me, fuck them. <laughs> like I'll walk the earth and I'll laugh at everyone else who being dead while I'm alive. Like like literally, I don't care. You, all the buildings can burn and I will walk the scorched earth because I'll be happy because I'll have you and Blake and we can have a laugh about like, do you remember when we, do you remember when we ended the earth? When Dave Batista came to our house. Yeah, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might not go that far, but I I did not see anything that that would convince me. I had not, I didn't see anything that convinced until perhaps the end where the, I thought one of the, the most like not harrowing but one of the things that i found most spooky was when they came out of the cabin and at the end in the sky you see the airplane fall and the footage of the airplanes falling from the sky that i found 
terrifying. I really did. I thought, oh, that's the most affecting thing I've seen. And when you see one outside, when you... Oh, it's almost like that bit in Signs where... I mean, eight weeks, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. That's You cannot joke about no, that. what I'm saying is eight weeks, like, I'm, it's affecting me a lot more because oh, I'm right. going on <laughs> Yeah, well, let's not make any jokes about that. Um, yeah, when... That'll be on the as well. Stop it. Stop it. It's not funny. It's not funny. Um... When, that bit in Signs, where the... Sorry, big spoilers for Signs here, which is probably 20 years old now. But anyway, big spoilers. But they're watching the telly, and then everyone's going, there's aliens, there's aliens, and then suddenly an alien walk... like, And there's this boom in the yes. music and everything. That's what... That gave me that scene vibes, where you see outside that there is actually a plane falling down. That was the point where I thought, ooh, it's actually happening in the real world because until then you've only ever seen it on TV in the cabin where no nothing seems to be happening near this cabin. So that, I found that quite affecting. Okay. But I still wouldn't have thought, oh, the world is ending. I would have thought it's a terrorist incident or there's something cyber, really, or there's, there's yeah. been a massive malfunction. I think I would have given it a bit more time <laughs> before I'd like gone world actually typical you, that. Be, yeah it is typical me but i think also if you if you i've got this moral thing isn't it but this is why i thought i really enjoy the film um if you think about all the things that happen in the world if you listed all the, the wars the famines the, the the awful violence against women and children and the, you know, the the horrible horrible things that go on in the world you might already think you're in an apocalypse like you know you if you listed all of those things that are happening now in the world, you would probably say, oh, we're in the apocalyptic times. And I think that's quite an interesting... I wish they'd maybe gone into that bit more. I think they did with one of them because he says, I'm a human rights lawyer, I see these yes. terrible things happening, you know. Um, but anyway, um, so the ending for you, you said something quite specific that you didn't... So I am... My problem with it is I don't want the cranks who met online to be right. Mm, and that mm. is the way that the film presents yeah, itself yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was quite obvious that was going to be the case mm. because halfway through the film, you're like, we're not just going to walk outside and go, yep, that was it. Yep, yeah, nothing's oh, wrong. All... Yeah, everything's fine. Nothing's happened. Yeah, oh, look, everything's still, yeah. Oh, I thought it might be ambiguous. I thought it might be, Ooh. That's the other thing. And I, I, would, have I, would, have, yeah, I would have preferred something a bit more ambiguous. Mm. Like, yeah. I also would have liked it if they were a little bit too late and everything was still carrying on and we didn't know whether they were just too late mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. because obviously they waited a long time to yeah. kill Jonathan Groff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, it just them to come out and go, yep, yeah, everything's got better all of a yeah. sudden. And, and yep, yeah, oh, we haven't had anyone die in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. you'd be doing a press conference just yet. No, and she looked very well made up for someone who's clearly been looking after sick kids for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and oh, the planes are now all right. No planes and, have fallen for an hour. Yeah, and everything's okay now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know. It it just seemed a lot... And, and, of course, this is part of the problem with M. Night Shyamalan. Mm. I'm waiting for a twist. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that is on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's partly on me, mm. but it's also on him due to how he has shoehorned mm. them into yeah. many of his films. And I'm waiting for a post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a um, thing of like, yep, yeah, it turns out that this someone all, was in yeah. the background all along. Yeah, and... who was pressing go on these things. And yeah, it's just a coincidence. But yeah, um, I th- that disappointed me. But to go along for the mm-hmm. ride, mm-hmm. I was more than happy. And yeah. I really enjoyed it for 90% yeah. of the thing. Agreed. With me going, oh, I wish they made that choice at the yeah. end. Yeah, same. And just a little bit of ambiguity. I think they could have left it with them mm. driving off, you know, without us really, know, without us having that scene where we see the t- TV saying, oh, everything's fine now. Yeah. I think we, if we just left it at, well, we'll never know whether... When there is a, a major incident happening on TV, mm-hmm. they don't tend to go, oh, well, we've not had anything for a little while. God, yeah. things seem to be calming down now. Yeah. They, yeah. 
that that's not the reverence they, that they, they give re- these they events. They report the death toll yes. and they say how awful the consequences are. Yeah. They don't do this happy sort of like, well, everything seems to be all right now. Yeah, yeah. And it was mm. all Jonathan Groff. Yeah. <laughs> King George yeah, yeah. did it again. I know. He's so good, isn't he? So, and I think he played it perfectly here against um, his partner as well. Yes. I thought they made a really, really good pairing and really believable that they would be together and that they'd created this really beautiful family and mm. that they had different traits and um different ideas of you know what they liked and what they disliked and that lovely scene about well you've got a bit of a temper and you you're really you're really like what you said about jonathan groff being really like uptight and everything i was like oh this is amazing <laughs> yeah i just really enjoyed it what was the point of redmond being the person who attacked them i think ago? it was to give um a sense of ambiguity because if he had some connection to them in some way that would lead you to believe that actually they were being targeted. So it's a red herring. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think... It, that was my thought. I didn't know yeah. if I was missing anything. And it clearly was him, wasn't it? Because they found the... Oh, yeah, the, yeah. You know, it wasn't ID, even... Yeah. wasn't ambiguous in that sense as well. And mm. maybe a bit more made out of that too, because I really like the bits where the people who had the vision started to doubt themselves. I yes. really loved that sort of like, well, God, you know, what if he isn't? We've only just met each other, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I really loved that. And I wish a little bit more of that had come in. But then mm. it probably would have been a lot longer, the film. And, and it was a perfect it really, length. Perfect length, yeah. Mm. Right, let's finish. Right, happy valley. Happy valley is <laughs> upon me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, thanks a lot for listening. And we promise we'll be back sooner this time. Um, I, like I say, I've got some Oscar films to get through. So um, well, back at this time when? <laughs> back, at, back at this time. Back at this time. Yeah, back at this time. Yeah, back at this time. Back at this time of. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be of, back at some point. It's not actually scheduled, and something yeah. you can listen to on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Bye.